Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. We've had 35 resurrections of the dead. The closer they are to freshly dead, the easier they are to resurrect. So I see this giant angel and I asked him his name. It's a financial company and I realized this angel is here for our finances. And that's a true literal story, by the way. These people are charlatans and it's about time we draw a line in the sand and stop fraternizing with the wolves. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Paging the 38%. Paging the 38%. This is Wretched Radio. A Lifeway poll survey says 62% of evangelical pastors say sports betting is morally objectionable. If you are one of the 38%, welcome to Wretched Radio. would like to share with you a little snippet on the subject of gambling. How do we navigate the opportunities to bet? And historically, I've said that there do need to be some distinctions that are made. I don't think that you could make the statement, all betting is absolutely wrong in every circumstance. I, I, I don't think that's the case. Why? Well, we don't have a Bible verse that says that. So what I must do is go to all of the Bible verses, explicit and implicit, that I could find that talk about this subject. And when it comes to gambling, it's a heart issue. We don't see a, a, a precept that is crystal clear that would apply to every single potential scenario of what we would call betting. Hey, Jimmy, I'll bet you a nickel that there's going to be people who disagree. Okay, uh-huh. that type of thing. You know, the, the office pool about when the baby is going to be born or the gender. Oh, sorry, we don't do that anymore. Are all of those things a sin? Well, I think we need to understand what the Bible says about the heart. And what makes types of gambling a sin is what's behind the gambling. What what is What is motivating the individual to participate? Furthermore, what are their means? How risky is this? What does God say about get-rich-quick schemes? Those are all the things that lead us to say that gambling is a heart issue. But I don't think that you could say categorically, you're out on the golf course and and you're playing some sort of a game and it's, uh, oh, there's a name for it. Jimmy, you're not a golfer. Ah. Uh, there, there's some, there's like a, a chip putt go or something. There's a name for it. And it's I like you know, know. You, you decide it's a nickel, it's a quarter, something like that to enhance the competition. I wouldn't say that's a sin. If you're playing cards, and the ante, it's just you know, it's a penny. It's a, it's a quarter. What? It's just small amounts because it's not about getting rich. It's not about coveting. It's not putting anybody in financial jeopardy. Uh, I don't think that I would go that far, but millions of people are currently caught in a spiral of increasing debt because they are spending so much money on sports betting to get rich. These people don't lose money. They can advertise and sponsor major events because they're the winners and most people are the losers. And so let us consider what the Bible says about gambling to figure out sports betting. Is there an amount that I can participate? 
Is it just totally off board? What, how do I sort this? Well, thankfully, we have a resource here at Wretched called Wretched Worldview. This happens to be our second installment on the subject of gambling. Jimmy, I'll tell you, this kid's an up-and-comer. Uh-huh. This kid's got some real potential, the way that he handles the Bible. This is from Wretched Worldview 2. The subject is gambling and what the Bible says, dealing with explicit and implicit verses. We start with our explicit Bible verses. Told you he was good. Listen to those <laughs> dulcet tones. Amazing. Our first one is Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife, or his male slave, female slave, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. An admonition against desiring something that doesn't belong to you. I might even expand that to include greed, just wanting more, not being satisfied. The sin of covetousness is really worse than I think we realize because it seems like just a little thought crime, but it's actually an assault against our God. You aren't providing for me the way that I think you should. Zoinks, that makes coveting a really bad sin. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth obtained from nothing dwindles, but one who gathers by labor increases it. I might use this verse to say we need to avoid get-rich-quick schemes. Work, sweat, have a job, get up, work, go to bed, as opposed to kind of getting it really quick and easy. That method in the Bible is prohibited. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Gambling has an element of covetousness for what? I'm not talking about matchsticks. I'm talking about money. Money in and of itself is not sinful, but a love of money makes it an idol, and that would mean it is sinful. Colossians 3, 5, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. I think we're starting to hear some repetition here, covetousness, greed, not being satisfied, get rich quick. These are all directly related to the subject of gambling. Now, just in case you're going, are there some nuances to this? Yes, but I think so far it's pretty clear this is not something that God endorses. Todd, I have a question about that last verse you just read. That is the voice of Dr. Nathan Abuznitz, who joined us on Wretched Worldview 2. We interrupted each other for the sake of clarity, and to even challenge. Let's see what the good doctor has to say. He said that, quoting from Paul, that greed amounts to idolatry. What's the connection between greed, which sometimes we might pass off as being not that big of a deal, to idolatry, which is certainly something that we would consider very, very serious. What's the correlation between those two? Yeah, you know what, I think I'm I'm thinking James, the different, James 4, 1 and 2, the difference between need and want, uh, that I want to provide for my family. So I would like more money to be able to provide for my family. Then I go about the godly method of obtaining that money. That isn't sinful because you're not desiring something that is innately sinful. Now, if you said, I desire murder, or rape, or something that is clearly sinful, 
No, but if you're desiring something that is non-sinful, it doesn't have to be an idol. It is when it becomes, I gotta have it. I really need, I won't be fulfilled until I have it. My life isn't as good as it could be unless I've got this thing. And it doesn't have to be money. It could be looks. It could be a sense of humor. It could be an education. When God is replaced by an object of his creation, we're not giving credit or our affection to the creator. And that's what makes it idolatry. Yeah, when our love for God is competed against by a love for money, right. that love for money takes an idolatrous place in our hearts. Yeah, too often we've all heard, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the root of all kinds of evil, but it doesn't have to. And be it's the evil. love of money that's the root of all. Yeah, kinds it's, it's of evil. the that's the emphasis. Yeah. It's like I, oh, I love this stuff. If that is the heart behind gambling, and it's kind of hard to imagine, it's not. Now we're talking about lotto things. We're talking about going to a casino. Not necessarily talking about the football game for a nickel. We'll get into that, but greed and covetousness and idolatry, clearly forbidden business. Hebrews 13, five, make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For God has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. Bang, bang, bang with the explicit Bible verses. Forget your grandparents and their attitude about gambling. It may have been right or wrong. I think the Bible is pretty emphatic. Overall, this is a very unbiblical concept. Heart. It is all. Wow, that guy guy sounded a lot like me. (laughs) It is about what motivates it. It also can get into the realm of what are we talking about here? Do, Do you even have the money to do that sort of betting? And that, by the way, could be on the golf course. You don't have a dollar per hole. You shouldn't be doing it because you shouldn't be using money frivolously. Now, having said that, can you use money for recreational activities? Because people would argue, well, that's my recreational activity. And I understand that. I I really do. But there are still some principles that guide us. If you don't have discretionary funds, you shouldn't be frittering away. I say you shouldn't be frittering away your money no matter what the amount happens to be. Hundreds of millions. I think it's a multi-billion dollar industry now with the sports betting. And people are hurting because of it. And so as an institution, I think that is another consideration. What is it doing to our society? Does online betting help people? As a rule, it absolutely does not. There are people who need that money but continue to risk it mostly because it is a sinful desire of the heart for a get-rich-quick scheme. But you say, certainly there are some objections to your supposedly biblical case against the online betting. Fine, now let's tackle those next on Wretched Radio. Might I, first of all, thank you for the hundreds of wretches 
who supported Masters Academy International last year. And if you are now perhaps intrigued by what they do at Masters Academy International, would encourage you to check them out. Yes, we're doing a Bible distribution program with them, but they're training pastors around the globe. Seminary trained students at the Masters Seminary return to their native land and they get plugged into a Master's Academy International mini-seminary outlet where they teach indigenous pastors how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's brilliant. And these indigenous pastors trained at the Master's Seminary train indigenous pastors. Brilliant. It is a wonderful ministry and you could be supporting a pastor, you could be supporting a seminary overseas and you'll be strengthening the local church. You can do that at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Are you ready to go on an adventure that tackles life's biggest questions head on? Well, we invite you to join John Fabares and Jake Ream on a riveting journey in Road Trip to Truth Season 4. This season, they're hitting the road to explore deep questions about sin, atheism, racism, and the very nature of truth itself. Through candid conversations with university students and wisdom from experts, this season delivers some unwavering answers from a biblical perspective. Whether it's understanding the realities of heaven and hell, navigating the complexities of marriage, or uncovering the truths about money and forgiveness, Road Trip to Truth Season 4 will be your guide. It's perfect for youth groups, families, or anyone who seeks to defend their faith with confidence. Road Trip to Truth has been more than a series. It's a tool for sparking meaningful discussions and inspiring a commitment to the gospel. So if you're ready to head out on a road trip, buckle up for the truth. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available now at wretched.org slash for. Who will speak for those who are staggering to the slaughter? Seems like right now would be a good time to encourage you to support Preborn Ministries. They're in it. It's a little complex out there with the internet and ordering pills. They're in the game. They're working hard to save babies and save mommies and daddies with the gospel. So if you are energized about life, that's something you can do. You can support Preborn. They provide free ultrasounds despite the accusations of all pro-life clinics. They are holistic. They do care about the mommy too. And they care for the family and they provide training. And it is literally a way that if you have the means, you can be saving a life. Amazing ministry. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 405 AD. After 23 years of work, translating from Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, Jerome completes the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible that becomes the standard for the next 1,000 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Where does gambling fit in God's priorities? This is Wretched Radio. Don't want to become, in the caricatured sense, wrongly, of being puritanical, but I do believe when it comes to the subject of online betting, of which billions of dollars are lost, we do need to ask some questions about how we are using our money and is it in alignment with God's objectives. Now, please note, we, we don't want to become, oh, we can't do nothing fun because 
God wants us to use every penny for missions. No, that's not true. God does provide money and discretionary cash that we can use it for recreational activities and not be sinning. But as we go about the business of trying to determine where we spend our money, how much of it we spend for those things, we do need to be asking some questions about God's priorities. Is this the best use of my money? And there are going to be times where, yeah, I, 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 I really, really could use this break, this activity, this fun thing with the kids. You go and you enjoy that. But even as you do, it shouldn't be a, a question that we visit on occasion. It should be a rather regular consideration. How does God want me to use my money? Am I storing up treasures in heaven with how I go about using my money? In an effort to help us determine whether we should or shouldn't, we need to take a look at implicit Bible verses, explicit Bible verses, and then ask even more questions which should guide us to a biblical conclusion on how to use our money to do that an up-and-comer. Oh, this kid is strong in Wretched Worldview 2, participating with Dr. Nathan Busnitz from the Master's Seminary, dealing with now not the explicit, but the implicit Bible verses about gambling, and then some other questions that I would encourage you to always ask when it comes to the business of decision-making. Starting with 2 Thessalonians 3, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined way among you. We see Paul working. We see Paul being disciplined not being frivolous, not being risky, but being a hard worker as he actually worked to provide for himself. Ecclesiastes 5.10, one who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor one who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word heart has been jumping out in each one of these lessons. Remember, Christianity, it does have laws, it does have rules, but it's not a system for how to function better in life. Those are precepts that we want to follow, motivated to do so because of our heart's desire to be pleasing to the Lord. And we need to have that heart attitude and examination when we're talking about the subject of money and gambling. 2 Corinthians 9, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows generously reaps generously. Each one must do just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Question, is your money going to something that is a get-rich-quick, risky, covetous scheme, or is your money priority how to expand God's kingdom? So we're talking, too, about an issue of stewardship and wisdom. 1 Corinthians 10, no one is to seek his own advantage, but rather that of his neighbor. Shouldn't be talking about the pre-understandings now, but you remember, I believe it was the seventh understanding, the pre-understanding, that gambling takes advantage of poor people, it does. That's even scientific. We see the results of it, whether it's lottery money, casino money, poor people get poorer because of gambling. 
Not sure that we need to take a look at church history and the other steps because this is so definitive in my opinion, but we're not going to settle for just three steps. Let's get to the gospel. Am I trusting God for my provision or luck? It's a hard issue. Does gambling lead me into all kinds of temptations? Because that's not a place I want to hang out. The gospel calls me to be a good steward. These principles based on the gospel, again, point us toward saying no to spending our money on what are nothing but get-rich-quick schemes. We'll take a look at church history here and our testimony, and then we will deal with, well, what about, you know, we're playing tennis and we're going to bet a nickel. Is that a sin? We'll get to that. Is that gambling? Historic Christian position, St. Augustine, the devil invented gambling. Let me let me just try to put that into contemporary English. I, I think he's trying to say that the devil invented gambling. Or another way to put it, gambling was invented by the devil. Did I get that translation correct? I think that's very true to the original line. (laughs) (laughs) The Coptic and Eastern Orthodox branches historically condemn gambling. We see church history telling us, no, that's just not the way that we use our money. Is that authoritative for all time and all places? Not necessarily, but we're kind of silly if we don't look back and ask our ancestors, what did you think about the subject of gambling? If you have never availed yourself of Wretched Worldview 2 and the study guide. Encourage you to find it at wretched.org. We tackle oodles of subjects. Taxes, giving, decision-making, modesty, sexuality and gender, of course. Dating versus courting, entertainment, video games. Hmm. And the subject on which we are focusing gambling. Take it away, whippersnapper. What will people think about Jesus when they see me in a casino? And do I look like a lover of money when I gamble? I don't know what else we could conclude, but it diminishes my testimony. It doesn't enhance it. And this is another one of the themes that we have in Wretched Worldview. God is building a bigger thing beyond our preferences, our likes, our desires. He's building his church. He's expanding his territory. And I want to be in alignment with that, which can mean I give up stuff that I maybe prefer. In fact, I give up stuff. I even have a liberty to do it. But I'm more concerned about God than myself. Now, before I tip my hand on this surprise question, the the, the nickel gamble for the for the... Who do you think is going to win the award? Who do you think is going to win the tournament? Do you think that that qualifies as gambling and therefore prohibited? Well, before I answer that, one other principle that I think is so important in this discussion is the principle of stewardship. That we as Christians are stewards of all of the resources that God has given us. And even going to the testimony aspect of what you were talking about, that if we're going to be good stewards... We're managing the financial resources that God has given us and to put those into some sort of scheme that almost guarantees that we're going to lose that money. That's not being a good steward. So gambling is not even compatible with the principle of Christian stewardship. Now to the question you asked, since you want to give me the hard question, 
Oh, I got my answer. I just want to see if if you concur and you're right. <laughs> so this would be an area that I would put under the principles of Christian liberty. And one of those key principles is that we restrict our liberty so as not to tempt another believer to sin. And I do think we have to be very, very careful here because recognizing that one small thing that we might do might actually lead a brother or sister in Christ to do something following our example that leads them into a lifetime of sin. I think for me personally, I would not do it because I am concerned about the principle of restricting my liberty for the conscience of other Christians. Uh, you know, that, that's a great addition because I, I would say that doesn't qualify as gambling per se. So I don't think, therefore, all of these explicit and implicit verses would condemn something like that. You're playing a board game and it's for a nickel or a dime, whatever it is, or matchsticks. I, I don't think that has the element of greed or bad stewardship or that it has an element of idolatry involved in it. But your point is well taken. What It might just be lighting a fire for somebody who struggles with this. And this is enough just to get that kindled and off to the, off to, literally off to the races they go. Yeah, I just think, you know, we have to be careful, though I would see it as an, an issue of Christian liberty. Right. There you have it. Gambling is not a word that is outright condemned in the Bible. Therefore, we have to ask deeper questions. What's behind this particular activity? And if it's greed, covetousness, get rich quick, and if it's a, just a, using money frivolously and wasting it, then putting your family potentially in some sort of jeopardy, then it is definitely a sin. Because gambling can be idolatry, and that's a big no-no in God's economy. And the other stuff, at least according to Nate Buznitz, Christian liberty. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with some troubling questions around religious asylum claims in the UK. Judges there are alleging some Muslim migrants are faking Christian conversions to stay in the country. Concerning if it's true, yet the vague claims are also threatening legitimate converts facing persecution abroad. Discerning truth from deception is no real simple task. You gotta extend grace, but also exercise wisdom. And we shift gears now with more ideological indoctrination being churned out at elite universities. Several Ivy League schools are now offering bizarre courses steeped in woke theories around race, gender, and activism. Things like interrogating whiteness and decolonial queerness. Not even quite sure what that one means, but parents are shelling out small fortunes to have kids indoctrinated with Marxist narratives. These institutions are a little more devoted to churning out the next great Marxist activists than they are future leaders and innovators. So if you are a parent paying for college tuition, beware. Up north in Canada, a middle-aged man has traumatized some teenage girls by stripping naked in their locker room before a swim class. And when confronted, the city defended his actions under so-called transgender rights laws. Never mind the private stalls readily available for him to change. This is not tolerance. This is legally sanctioned abuse, and it has got to stop. 
Well, it turns out the good news of a greener planet's not so good if you're a climate alarmist. Despite decades warning of deforestation, extensive satellite data shows more abundant global vegetation over the past 40 years. But fret not, there's a newly concocted worry. Too many problematic monocultures and non-native species, apparently. If you know what that means, well, what it means is ideologues rarely concede defeat. And I couldn't leave this one out. According to the Babylon Bee, Christian high schoolers at Faith Lutheran Middle School and High School gather for a weekly Tuesdays with Taylor Era's Bible Study. They incorporate and connect Taylor Swift lyrics into their Bible study. Just call it a weekly Taylor Swift fan club and leave the Bible out of it, would you? And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The Apostle Peter wrote to the elect exiles who were facing persecution for the sake of Christ. Peter exhorted them to trust God and to continue living godly lives. He reminds them of their hope in Christ and their high calling. When you want to learn joyful obedience, no matter what your circumstances, look to 1 Peter. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's see if I'm a prophet. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to play one of America's fastest growing game sensations. Which one is Jimmy's favorite? That's right. Which one of these stories that I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers is Jimmy's favorite? Jimmy? We're actually upping the ante. Okay. Oh, that was a betting reference right there. <laughs> We're going to up the stakes on this deal because I'm going to share with you a number of stories, and you're going to pick the one that is your favorite. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I've identified the one that I believe you are going to choose. Let's see if I'm a prophet. I, I've got a question, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> By favorite, do you mean favorite? Because I enjoy it or the favorite one, I the, the one I hate the most. There you have it. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Both of those things right there. <laughs> Both of them. So you get, you get to pick and we'll see if I nailed it here. Story number one. I think that, did you notice that uh, uh, waste management is rebranding? Now they're becoming WM instead of waste management. They have the Phoenix open. I think it went on this weekend, although I didn't get to watch any of it because I was enjoying Beaufort, South Carolina. It's the Waste Management Phoenix Open where it gets a little bit rowdy. Furthermore, in Phoenix, No Pants Light Rail Day is back. That's right. No Pants Light Rail Day. This goes back to 2009. If you thought the world just went off the rails instantly in, say, 2021, no, we've been working on it for a bit. Took a three-year hiatus thanks to the pandemic. Never thought I'd say thanks to the pandemic. But now you can ride the rails without pants. Cool. This time, with tons of BDSM furries and children. Oh, that's, that's a nice family activity in Phoenix that you got going on right there. That's story number one. By the way, Jimmy, I better do the math on this thing. Okay. That's story number one right there. Is that your favorite? We'll find out. Story number two. This is from Not the Bee. Talking about ecosexuality. You say, What? A 45-year-old Canadian woman describes herself as a nature lover and an ecosexual. During her daily walks through a marsh swamp near her home, she found the one, a tall, dark, and handsome tree. 
an oak tree specifically. Apparently, she likes Morris Day, too. Thank you for dated 80s <laughs> references that are really obscure. They took things slow. Should be Lee. She would visit the tree five days a week in the winter of 2020, and only after getting to know each other better did the relationship turn to love in the summer of 2021. Well, it's good they didn't rush into this because, you know, you, you've got you to gotta know what you're getting into. Because if you just saw a tree that you had fond affection for with leaves and full bloom, oh, and then you really loved it when they turned colors, but then the leaves fell off. Will you still love the tree tomorrow? One particular tree in the grove called to me, she said, so I began to stop daily at this particular grove tree. I began to lean against it, to hold it and feel held by it. She says the tree has never failed her. It is never needy or distant. It's always welcomed. No other human relationship has ever done that for me. Ecosexual. I got a question for you. <laughs> would you affirm this woman? Would you? Would you? Oh, I see. You love a tree in a romantic kind of way, or does truth and love speak a different word? That's story number number two, Jimmy. Okay, poor lady. Story number three: Amazon Prime has a new animated series about heaven and hell and how the devil is actually the good guy. Oh, cool! It's called Has Been Hotel. H a z b i n Hotel. Oh, man. About the daughter of Satan. Mm -hmm. Satan was a dreamer with fantastical ideas for all of creation, but he was perceived as a troublemaker by the elders of heaven. Ah, must have been a hegemony going on in heaven. So the devil rebelled and was justified because he was being oppressed or something like that. He was a misunderstood villain. You, you just don't understand the devil. And that is what Netflix, Amazon Prime, sorry, Amazon Prime is peddling. The trailer is about how Satan wanted man to have free will and how evil the heavenly hosts were for keeping man in chains. There it is. Marxism in a stupid satanic cartoon on Amazon Prime. It's everywhere. Jimmy, that's story number three. Marxism okay. in a cartoon. What that is. Story number four. Apparently with tongue-in-cheek, maybe... An Oklahoma lawmaker introduced a new bill. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a furry is, these are kids in schools who believe that they're animals. So this Oklahoma lawmaker, the new bill would require students dressed as furries to be removed by animal control. <laughs> hey, hey, we'll play along. Students who purport to be an imaginary animal or animal species or who engage in anthropomorphic behavior, commonly referred to as furries at school, shall not be allowed to participate in school curriculum or activities. The parent or guardian of a student in violation of this selection shall pick up the student from the school or animal control services shall be contacted to remove the student. I don't know who that guy is, but... I like him. I think I could. I think I could vote for a fellower, fellowette like that. That's story number five, Jimmy. You oh, keeping up? Yeah, that was four. That's what I said. Story number four. <laughs> Is it really just number four? Yep, that was four. We are doing bad math and not making much time here. All righty then. Story number seven. No, wait a second. You know, don't judge. 
as if oh, yeah. it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> Not with my truth. Okay, so this is number five? Is yes, that, yes. Uh-huh. Number five. According to former intelligence chief uh, in Great Britain, no, in Germany, over the next 25 years, meaning most of the current generation's lifetime, Europeans' Muslim population will triple to a staggering 76 million. The number one name in Western Europe is Mohammed. The great replacement theory does not appear to be a myth. And that is according to Germany's top domestic intelligence chief, stating the complexion of Europe is changing because they do not believe that religion can somehow be bad, that that we can't just all get along. We'll just all learn how to love one another and be tolerant. Well, they've forgotten history. Islam does not come out of a vacuum, you know. It it has a history. It didn't appear out of the blue on 9-11. For centuries, they have been storming and raiding and taking. How do you think the Middle East became consumed by Islam? That's story number five, Jimmy. Okay. Not sure that's your favorite or not. Number six, the Taliban, as long as we're on Islam, in Afghanistan, they're restricting unmarried women's access to work and travel. Don't you panic. The United Nations is all over this. Hillary Clinton went there herself to let United Nations, you better... I'm sorry, that's not in this article at all. The Taliban have barred women from most areas of public life and stopped girls from going to school beyond the sixth grade as part of part of a harsh measure. That's their Quran interpretation that they imposed after taking power in 2021. Despite promising more moderate rule, see what they did there? Uh, there's a name for this. Oh, uh, it's not just, oh, Jimmy, do you remember the name that is ascribed to the Muslim belief that it is okay to lie in the cause of Islam? There, there's, there's, that's actually a principle that you can deceive all you, as long as, hey, if this is good for Allah and for Islam, then it's okay to lie. Surprise! The Taliban did it. They have to shut down beauty parlors. They're enforcing a dress code, arresting women who don't comply with hitchop wearing. The Taliban issued a decree calling for women to only show their eyes and recommending they wear head-to-toe burqa. That's, that's the religion of peace right there. And Jimmy, don't you forget for one second that we Christians are the oppressors. Don't you forget that, pally boy. I haven't. Because... We think that maybe there's some distinctions between boys and girls that are actually good, but we don't oppress. If, if if people can't see this, I just, I simply do not understand. Finally, story number seven. That's the one right there. Story number seven. Guess how many Americans think race relations are improving? You guessed it, according to Rasmussen, 15%. 6% think that race relations are excellent. Got to tell you, from my own subjective experience, they have gone down. They used to be quite good. Now you can't help but sense not so much. And apparently the majority of Americans agree, despite all of the efforts to try to supposedly make racial relations better through CRT programs. 
shouldn't shock us. There's more division. Why? Because that's what CRT is. It is a Marxist divider tool. Jimmy, that's story number seven, but we're nowhere near done. Oh. We will see which story is Jimmy's favorite. And if I'm a prophet, next on Wretched Radio. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. And I wanted to take just a moment to say thank you to our incredible gospel partners. Together, we're not just throwing seed, we're actually nurturing an entire forest. And your partnership is more than just a monthly commitment. There have been lives touched, there have been hearts changed, and there have been souls comforted. And while we don't have a giant thank you banner that we can fly over your house, though that would be pretty cool, and then we do have countless stories of lives impacted by your generosity. Every prayer you've prayed, every dollar you've given, it's like a ripple effect across the massive ocean. Thank you for standing firm with us and for being the backbone of this ministry. And to those of you who are not already gospel partners, well, hey, we would love to welcome you into the family. You can get all of the answers to the questions we know you have right now at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Record number of children are attending the Tomorrow Clubs in Africa. You should see the videos. Hundreds of kids run to meet at a Tomorrow Club in Africa. Why? Because Tomorrow Clubs, they're weekly kids meeting clubs where the kids, yep, they get some treats, but they get the gospel. They get the Bible. They get Bible memorization. Remember, we used to force our kids to do that, but now that we're oppressors, we don't want to be toxic and make our kids memorize Bible verses when it's about a gazillion times easier than when you get old. And they worship the Lord, they pray together, and they get loved on. Tomorrow clubs, I'm telling you, record-breaking. The images are so encouraging, so cool, and I would encourage you to consider being a Tomorrow Club partner. One dollar per child per month encourage you to please consider supporting the great ministry tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. Mexican Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, what is the name of the Islamic mm, principle that says it's okay to lie? Yeah, that's it. Takiyah. Takiyah. Now, just so you know, um, in Islam, if you're going to use takiyah to tell a lie to advance the cause of Islam, you do need a lime and salt. So please... It's not a simple thing that they do by deceiving people in an effort to try to trick people into thinking Islam is actually good for women. And that's exactly what the Taliban did in Afghanistan. Oh, we'll be moderate. (laughs) Takia, Jimmy, we're seeing if I'm a prophet. You be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? the truth. Order in the court. Let's see if I've identified Jimmy's favorite story. We have made our way through seven of them, Jimmy. You're keeping track, I know, because you are a fastidious note-taker. Do you do that in church, by the way? I do. Do you? Do you ever not take notes? Do I ever not? Yeah, sometimes. Why? (sighs) You know, I can't answer that. There there are just some days. I'll give you some options. Okay. It's boring. There's not much there. Maybe. Okay. Maybe maybe that's that's the reason. But there are I always start out with my notebook open, ready to go, and I I start taking notes. And there are some times where I I do stop and say, nah. just gonna listen. Yeah. See, I think I think that there are times that that's actually a wise thing to do. Right. Obviously, this is a discretionary issue. You can be a note taker or not. But I do think that there are some sermons that it's sometimes good to just let them fall and let them feed, and with with. Now, I, I can take notes, too, I, I, but it's it's sporadic in that I kind of choose based on where I'm at, what the sermon content is, what how deep the message is. Is it something that I want to remember in the future? And so I make a decision pretty much every sermon, whether or not it's going to be a note-taking affair or not. And for the most part lately, Jimmy... I've been opting out of note-taking, and there's nothing wrong with that. Please, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It can help you to remember what was said. It, 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 it puts your ears to work through your hands to write down, and it might just help you solidify what it is that is being spoken. So this is not a critique on that. But sometimes I do wonder if our fastidious note-taking is one of the reasons why we conservatives have a tendency to love knowledge that doesn't make its way into our heart. If, 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 if we are so consumed with making sure we get every single detail and point, maybe we kind of miss the impact. It's funny. I'm, I'm just starting. This Sunday, I get to preach through the Sermon on the Mount. And so far in the Gospel of Matthew, this, to me, has been the highest mountain, no pun intended, the highest mountain to climb because it's three chapters long. If you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 straight through, it would take 20, 25 minutes. If you divide the Sermon on the Mount up, it could take you months to make it through. And you say, well, then take some months and make it through because that's what we do. That's true. But is it possible that in opening up one sermon so deeply that it stretches out for eight months that it misses the point? You have to ask the question. Jesus was the best preacher ever, ever. And his sermon 
had a point. And I think that there is one point you could argue the preamble is, is somehow distinct, but I think the Beatitudes and the similitudes, they're just the preamble to Jesus setting the table for what they're about to hear. The law. He's going to open up the law and he's going to let the law do its work to drive them to an understanding. You need a savior. You can't do this. That's the point of the sermon. And so if that gets spread out over the course of three, four, five months, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but for me, it it misses the point of the sermon that you should feel undone. So if we dive into it, all right, we're going to talk about oaths because Jesus clearly says you can't be taking certain types of oaths, meaning you, you can take oaths that are mandatory. Now, your wedding vow is an oath, but it's the quick swearing, meaning I, I swear to fill in the blank because they swore by everything. I swear by the temple. I swear by the gold on the temple. And Jesus said, don't do that. All right, we could dive into that. We could take a look at oath taking, promising. I, I We could take a look at lying. We could we could take a look at Paul fulfilling his vow in the book of what was going on there, all kinds of stuff. But that wasn't Jesus' point primarily. Was it teaching and is it loaded with didactics that we can indeed learn from? Of course it is. But the point was to go, you can't do it, can you? You, you, you can't be pure in heart. You can't be pure in thought. You can't be pure in word or deed. You have no hope outside of me. That's the point. And I, I want to make sure that we don't miss that point. And so I'll be climbing that mountain this Sunday, starting with the Kingdom Manifesto. That is what Jesus launches. Who his members of his kingdom are and what they look like. In the meantime, Jimmy, we're up to story number eight. Story number eight, which one is your favorite? And we'll see if I identified, and I actually wrote it down in red ink on the story, which I think you're actually going to choose. <laughs> okay. Right, here we go. This is story number eight. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. You got to swallow the E. Otherwise, Oregonians get upset with you. Oregon declares fentanyl state of emergency. Ooh. Of, oh, no wonder why. It's, it's been legal for three years. <laughs> Do you smell that? It's not fentanyl. It's foolishness is what that is. That's story number eight right there, Jimmy. Story number nine. Sorry. Here's, here's love in action as defined by the world. Syphilis cages surge in the United States. Isn't that loving that we let people do the activities that give them diseases? That is so loving what that is. Story number 10, shocker, Planned Parenthood increasingly providing more transgender services. Well, what a shocker. All branches of Planned Parenthood saw 38,337 visits related to transgender treatment. In 2020, it was half that. What's going on? They're getting in the game. It's big bucks. It is big money. Please support preborn if you can. There, there. You take Planned Parenthood, and then you look at the opposite. You got yourself preborn ministries, where they don't counsel that you mutilate your body. They get women help. And I just, oh, I think I've got it right here. I just read that they commit to two years of helping women once when they choose life. They see an ultrasound. They choose life. 
And then they take care of these women. They help them. They insist them for up to two years. Wowza. Not fun to plan parenthood. You could be supporting Preborn Ministries at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. That was story number 10, Jimmy. Story number 10. Are you ready for a story? Oh, this one's a little bit older, but it's kind of funny. (laughs) Jimmy. Yes. Do you remember any states not wanting that wicked Chick-fil-A to be selling their sandwiches in their states? Wasn't it New York? Uh Yeah. Yeah. Now they don't want them to close on Sundays. (laughs) Why? Well, here's a shocker. The fellow who represents Manhattan told the outlet that reported this, keeping a restaurant closed on the the throughway, like the highway apparently, is just not in the public good. I thought we hated Chick-fil-A. He said in a statement, Not only does Chick-fil-A have a long, shameful history of opposing LGBTQ rights. Oh, there it is right there. So they're just strong-arming the the Chick-fil-A. All right, that's story number 12. That's enough. I got more, but I think we get the point. Jimmy? Yes? The question now is, which one is your favorite? And did I nail it? Are are you ready? Are you going to play the music again? Uh, here we go. Yeah. There we go. You'll be the judge. There you go. Happy? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm very happy. All right, let's see. Let's see what we got. I've got it. I've got it picked. Okay, I'm putting it behind my back. All right. Okay. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right, go. <laughs> Number four. Yeah, baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Oklahoma right there. Look at that. See that? Yeah. You got your name written on number four right there. The Oklahoma lawmaker's new bill would require students dressed as furries to be removed by animal control. You know me so well. I know you. By the way, I don't understand why, but a lot of people in Beaufort were asking where Jimmy is. Oh, really? I informed them we just don't let him out much <laughs> because he breaks things. And makes a hash of it. You are correct, sir. Wow, how long have we been working together? <laughs> a long time. Whew. said the Minnesotan. As the world continues to devolve, salt, light. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, I don't, I don't think that he directly meant political activism, which is not to suggest you cannot be involved in pol- politics in order to help people. You certainly can. But the salt and light that Jesus wants us to be stings and perhaps hurts the eyes of a world that is in the dark. And that is through the proclamation of the gospel. What the world needs now, it ain't love, sweet love. It's the love of God through Christ and forgiveness of sins in him. That's what the world needs now. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.